Just wanted to give you a heads up before we get too far into the teaching. Today, we are going to uh, be having a teaching that is PG-13, okay? In other words, we're going to talk about sex. And uh, for some of you, you might be like, oh, I'm so glad I came today. And others of you are probably going, I picked this Sunday to come, like this was the one. Um, but if you have children that are under 13, um, JAR Kids is available. And also any of our middle school students, Derek is back there in the back. Uh, and we have something for uh, middle school students if you're interested uh, in coming. And uh, he would love to hang out with you. And that's that. Okay, uh, update on our kindness challenge. At the very beginning of the summer, you might remember that I challenged you guys to think of one particular act of kindness that you could do each day and then to uh, send it uh, via text or some other way. Well, so far, we have 4,523 acts of kindness. Now, the reason that we celebrate that is not to pat ourselves on the back, but to thank God for the fact that he used us to be able to impact our community. So we're going to go over the top next week, over 5,000. And the way we're going to do this is when you leave today, you will receive a candy jar that looks like this. Now, when you receive this, this is what I want you to know. It's not for you. Okay? You are not to eat this. Okay? This is to give away. And let me put it this way. If you eat this candy, God knows. And you may go somewhere. That is not with God. That's all I'm saying. So, Just joking. Hey, but if you guys would, co-worker, neighbor, person at the gas station, someone, just to show them God's love in a practical way. And so we'll have one of these for you. Also, our kids upstairs will be receiving a little bag of candy so that they can participate as well, and they'll be able to do that. And so, are you in? All right, good. Much better than first celebration. So, thank you. All right, so do that. And then if you want to give any uh, act of kindness that you do this week, just go to uh, that phone number, text it in, and let us know. Uh, Do this with your kids, too. It would be great. Uh, My girls have been telling me, hey, Dad, this is what I did, and just keeping that on our mind. Well, hey, let's pray, and we'll dig into the teaching today. Let's pray. Loving God, we want to hear from you more than anything else. And we want to learn how to put some moral margin in our lives. So, Holy Spirit, we ask for you to come right now, that you would speak to each one of us, in the particular way that we need to hear from you so that your name would be made great. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we are concluding our series on margin. And over the past uh, few weeks, we've talked about scheduling margin. We've talked about financial margin. And today I want to talk about something that I have a feeling many of you probably um, do not think about very much, and that is moral Margin that there is some moral margin in your life. Now, I'd like to begin by just asking a few quick questions. I do not want you to raise your hand, so don't raise your hand at this point, but I'm going to ask a few questions. Here's the first one. 
How many of you know someone in your life who has been wrecked because of sexual sin? Maybe someone who got addicted to pornography. Maybe someone who got pregnant before they were married and they aborted the child and they've had to live that the rest of their life. Maybe it was someone who got pregnant and they stayed with the guy that got them pregnant even though he was a jerk. And their marriage now is not very good at all. Maybe they actually got pregnant and decided to be a single parent. Maybe you know someone who had a one-night stand and they got an STD and they've been having that for their entire life. Maybe you know someone who was promiscuous before they got married and then they got married and all of a sudden it affected the marriage because there were comparisons and expectations and all kinds of things that were difficult. Maybe you know someone who had an affair. They weren't planning on it, but one day they did that and it has wrecked their life. So now let me ask you again that same question. This time you can raise your hand. Do you know of anyone whose life has been wrecked due to sexual sin? Raise your hand. Yeah, almost every single hand. And why is that? Why is that? It's interesting to me to think of the fact that for many of us this morning, we don't wake up and say to ourselves, you know what, I have a five-year plan. And my five-year plan is that within five years, I want to have an affair. That's what I really want. None of us wake up. I don't know of anybody who wakes up and says, you know what? What I really want to do is I want to become addicted to porn. I just can't wait until the next few years I can be addicted to porn. Or, you know what? I don't know of anybody who ever says this. My goal this year is to get an STD. Like, that's my goal. I just can't wait. That's what I want to do. I want to get an STD. I don't know of anyone who says, I want to get involved in sexual sin so much so that potentially I could lose my job, I could lose my marriage, I could have my kids no longer wanting to have anything to do with me at all. Folks, I don't know anyone who ever wakes up and decides that they want to go down that path, and yet it happens all the time, doesn't it? It happens everywhere. In fact, people would say that's the normal, but normal's not working. You know, for 20 years, uh, I've been a pastor over 20 years, and the most common uh, question or statement that I get when people are going through a sexual tragedy and they finally wind up coming to talk to me about how it's blown up their life, they'll always say this, I never thought it'd happen to me. I just never thought that this would happen to me. And the reason they got trapped, the reason they got hooked, is because they had no moral margin. Now, you might be asking this morning, well, what is moral margin? Well, moral margin is this. This is our working definition. This is your first fill-in, and you can do it on your app as well. Moral margin is putting distance between you and temptation. Moral margin is putting distance between you and temptation. Now, Jesus, more than anyone else, was tempted. In fact, Scripture tells us he was tempted in every single way, but he did not sin. 
And if you want to understand how to overcome temptation, we look to him or we look to someone who is very close to him. And this morning, we're going to look at his brother, a guy by the name of James. His brother writes this book in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. And in verse 13, he says this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted while they are, and what's the next four words? What is it? Last four words. Dragged away and enticed. Now that word dragged away or that word enticed actually has an image in the Greek. And the Greek word is delozo. And delozo says this. That it means to entrap or to allure or to get hooked, to hook. In other words, it's this fishing imagery in which there's a hook and there's some bait and a person just gets hooked. They get hooked. And when they get hooked like that, they can't get unhooked. You know who's throwing the bait at you? Your spiritual enemy. Satan himself is constantly trying to tempt you to get you hooked. James goes on to say these words. Then after desire has conceived, in other words, after you've been hooked, after you've taken the bait, It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to what? To death. I thought it never happened to me. Oh, man. I just, I never thought it would happen to me. Now, when people are dating, typically they want to know a question. This is their question. High school students, college students, 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds, whatever. How far can I go? How far is too far? When Jen and I were doing the dance of dating, we'd dance and we'd go like, how far can we go? Which is also a very interesting thing for me to think about because almost in no other area of your life Do you ever ask the question, how close to the edge can I get before I get hurt? But we do it with sexual temptation all the time. A few few years ago, my family went on vacation. We went down to the Everglades and we saw these guys. Anybody know who they are? Gator Boys. This is a show uh, that was really, really popular. And these guys are idiots. That's what they are. They are absolute idiots. Uh, They go and they capture alligators that are in people's backyard, in their swimming pool, whatever. They take them back to this place where they care for them. And then if they're able to, they release them back into the wild. And while we were there, my girls just love these guys. They're a cable channel on uh, the animal planet. And so we went, uh, and Discovery Channel, we went and we saw them live. And uh, while we were there, this one guy, 
he opened up the head of an alligator and he put his head inside it. And then he kept the alligator's head open and he took his head back out and he said, how many of you would like to do this? And you know what everybody said? No! Except a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old who yelled real loud, I will! That's my two girls. Both of them raised their hand. I'm like, idiots! It's your mom's DNA, you know? I might pay for that. I don't know. No one ever does that. No one ever gets that close to an alligator because you don't want to get chomped. But the reality is, with sexual temptation, we do it all the time. We're always like... Anybody here like snakes? You're sick, man. You're sick. There's always a few people, you know. I hate snakes. I hate them. And there have been a couple of times where I've been out at a uh, national park and I've heard rattlesnakes and I've seen them on a path. And one time I was in a boat and I saw a water moccasin that was like right there. I mean, it was just freak out. Now, both times, folks, I did not go over there and go, hey, snakey, snakey, snakey. (laughs) Hey, little snakey, little snake, little snake, snake. How's that snakey? Both times I like ran away. I got... Uh, away from the snake. People are like, how close can I get to the edge before I get bitten? Paul gives us some words in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that help us with temptation. In fact, he gives us some very clear guidance. And... uh, He tells us one way to deal with temptation with one word. It's the very first word. What's the first word of this verse? What is it? It says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee. Run. Don't be acting like you're careful. Not watch out. Not like, hey, let me get as close to the line as I possibly can. Paul says, flee. Now, this is what I know, whether you're a Christ follower or not. So if you haven't been connecting with Jesus, you're like, hey, I'm just coming, trying to figure it out. Good. We're glad you're here. But whether you're a Christ follower or not, I guarantee you this, that you want your husband to do that if you're married. And you want your wife to do that if you're married. You want your boyfriend to flee when that little honey comes up and is like, ha, And you want your girlfriend to flee? And your little brother or your little sister? And if you have kids, I guarantee you this, you want them to flee. You want them to flee. But you know what we do? We don't flee, we flirt. Snakey, snakey. That's what we do. Now, 
You may say, well, what do we do then? Well, you flee. That's what you do. And then Paul goes on in verse 18, and this is what he says. All other sins a person commits are outside his body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. You might say, well, I thought all sins were the same. Actually, all sin is not the same. All sins separate us from God. But I could make a very strong biblical argument that all sins are not the same. And this is how I practically could actually explain it to you. That all sins, folks, do not have the same consequences. Practically speaking, all sins do not have the same consequences. All sins do not have the same cost. For example, if you tell a white lie, you might not have any cost whatsoever. If you speed, if you go 10 to 15 miles an hour over the speed limit and you get a ticket, it may cost you some money, but it doesn't cost you anything else. If you gossip a lot, it costs you friendships. But if you sin sexually, it can damage your self-esteem, it can destroy relationships, it can destroy your marriage, it can take your kids to a point where they don't want to be around you. And the reality is with this sin, actually, it takes people's lives. It really does. People die because of it. One bad decision in your sexual life can cost you for the rest of your life. All other sins, folks, are outside the body. But the scripture says, whoever sins sexually sins with their own body. Scripture goes on to say this in verse 19. Do you not know? In other words, Paul was saying, hey, church in Corinthians, I already know you don't know. That's why he's saying, do you not know? If he thought they knew, he wouldn't say that. He says, do you not know that your bodies, your bodies are temples? Did you know that? That your body is a temple? So when you woke up this morning and you looked in the mirror, you were like, Look at this temple. I have a growing temple. Boy, that temple has changed, you know, over the years. I look different with my temple. God says your body is a temple, and that means that you're holy. Look at what it says. Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Almost every world religion, almost every atheist or agnostic would say, hey, the body, there's something special about the body. There's something sacred about the body. You can figure out your own worldview, but Christians believe that all bodies, all bodies, every person's body is sacred. And many other world religions do as well. Because what happens is that God's Spirit actually, when you accept Jesus Christ, God's Spirit moves in you, takes residence in you. Then the Holy Spirit is present in you. And your body 
is very, very, very special. And then listen to the implications of this. You are not your own. When you accept Christ, Christ comes into your life, your body no longer belongs to you, but it belongs to God because now God is present in your body. Folks, when Christ came, he came to die for all sins. That's why the next part of the scripture there says, you were bought at a price. You weren't cheap. Now, it didn't cost you anything, but it cost God, his very son, on the cross. He purchased you with a price. You've been purchased from all of your sin. You no longer have to worry about the fact that if you came to Christ, that you have to carry sin. Past, present, Future sin, he died for all of it. Consequently, then, if he took that on, you are not your own. You have been purchased from the power of sin. Therefore, here's the application. Therefore, honor God with what? With your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. This whole scripture In chapter 6 is sexual in nature, the whole thing. Flee from sexual immorality. Don't you know that your bodies are the Holy Spirit inside of you? Don't you know that God has taken residence in your body? You are not your own. You have been purchased with a price. And if you ever become unclear on this, if you ever have any questions, if you ever have to figure something out, This should always be your answer. God, I want to honor you with my body. I want to honor you with my body. If it's dishonoring to God, then don't do it. Don't do it with your body. Don't think about it with your mind. Don't look at it with your eyes. Honor God With your body. And so God says, well, when it comes to sexual immorality, it's like, guys, I got some got some good news for you. It's easy. Just one word. Flee. Flee, 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 flee. Not flirt. 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 No, it's flee. Don't flirt. Now, the Bible gives us a very interesting passage of Scripture that I want us to look at for the rest of our time. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 3. And it says this, But among you there must not be even a, what's the next word? Hint. A hint of sexual immorality. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians. He's not talking to non-Christians. So if you're like, hey, I'm not really sure about this Jesus thing. I just came because a friend invited me. Hey, we're glad you're here. We hope that you'll, you know, continue to grow. And I think what I'm going to share in the next few minutes will be helpful to you. It'll prevent you from some pain and hurt. But if you're a non-Christian, honestly, you could check out. You can start looking at your phone, start counting the lights, you know, whatever you want to do. Don't leave because I really do think, though, if you'll plug in, For all of us, both Christ followers and not, these next few minutes may help a lot of us create some moral 
margin in our lives. So he says, not a hint of sexual immorality. Now, this is what is true. Our society's standards for sexual purity are way down here. Low, 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 low. Those are way low. Now, God's standards are way, way high. High, high, high. And this is what I found with most people. Most people get somewhere in the middle, and this is what they do. They start comparing themselves to other people. Well, I'm not as bad as him. You hear about what he did last Friday night? Whew, that's not me. Did you hear about her? I heard that that girl just went out and she was like dancing and woo, woo. You know, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, that's what we do. God's standards are really, really high and the world's standards are really, really low. But the world is winning because they're hooking us. They're hooking us to pull us back down into abyss, pain, hurt. So, the other thing with society is that they don't draw lines. There's no line in this area when it comes to our world. There's no boundary. Society says, it's normal. Everybody's doing it. It's just normal. Everybody's having affairs. Everybody's hooking up. Everybody's getting hooked. It's all right. It's okay. There are no lines. So this is what we do. We go up to wherever. We say, oh, the line's way over there. But then we get a little bit closer and go, hey, snakey, snake. Hey, snakey, snakey. And you know what happens? People get chomped. People get bitten. And then they go, I thought this would never happen to me. I thought it would never happen to me. So, for the rest of our time, what I want to do is give you some moral margin. Because when people get bit, when people get chopped, it's because they didn't put any moral margin. That's why when we talked in, about finances, why do people struggle with finances? Because they don't have financial margin. Why do people struggle with time? Because they don't have schedule margin. So for the rest of our time, I want to talk about some moral margin. Now, this is what I know already. Some of you are going to check out right now. You're like, you're way too conservative, Chris. I thought you were open to things, but you're way too conservative. I can't believe you're even talking about this and you'll write me off and you'll be like, that's it. But some of you, I have a feeling, will actually be like, you know what? I, I think that's wise. And I think there's a couple things there that might actually prevent me from having hurt in my future. So let's look at these real quick. There's seven of them. Here's the first one. Dress for spiritual success. You dress for spiritual success. When you dress, you dress in such a way that you're actually glorifying God, that you're lifting Him up. A few years ago, uh, our worship pastor, Derek, which Derek does a great job, 
He also does student ministry. So if you know middle school, high school students, uh, 6 o'clock, impact meets upstairs. They'd love to have you. But Derek is big into lifting weights, and he lifts weights a lot. I'm sure you've seen, you know, he's a pretty big guy. I'm not intimidated by him, but, you know, he's kind of big. <laughs> and uh, he, he would walk in, he would work out at the gym, and then he'd come into the office on Tuesdays. This was when we had our old office, and he'd walk in, and he'd cut off his shirt here, and then he'd cut it here on the side, and you could, like, see his, like, massive biceps, you know, and his pecs and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Again, I was never intimidated. Did you see that? You know what you call this? Nightcrawler. That's what I'm talking about. Worms can be vicious. You just don't realize it, okay? But there was a female who was a volunteer, and she came up to me, and she said, you know, every time he walks in and he wears that, and I see how his body's so kind of carved, my my mind starts going places. That isn't very helpful. And, you know, I I went to Derek, and I said, hey, there's." he's like, oh, man. He's like, man, I'd never want to ever create any temptation. I want to give moral margin for everybody. And from that day on, he's never worn one of those shirts because we want to be a staff that's modest, that's courteous. So, guys, if you're built like that, put on some clothes. (laughs) If you're not, and you're more like me, who cares? You know what I mean? (laughs) Now, Hey, real serious. Women. I want to talk to you guys for a second. All the women who are here. Guys are visual. Probably didn't have to tell you that, did I? They're very, very visual. And there are times in which, even in our church, people have walked in and they've worn things that you just kind of like, huh. And we want everyone to be accepted. We want everyone to come in. But once you start growing a little bit closer to Christ, you need to dress not for just success, but for spiritual success. I've actually had guys come up to me before and go, oh, man, did you see that girl today? She walked in, man, I just couldn't worship. I was just all over the place. So if you want to help some of the other guys here to be able to worship God in a healthy way, dress for spiritual success. In other words, don't dress like J-Lo. Any of you watched American Idol last year? J-Lo came in a couple of times. My, my seven-year-old girl, uh, Shiloh, she'd go, Dad, that's inappropriate. <laughs> now, all I'm saying is this. If a seven-year-old knows, you know. You know. Okay? All right, next thing. Keep four feet on the floor if you're dating. Keep four feet on the floor if you're dating. It's amazing how safe you can be in this area if you keep four feet on the floor when you're dating. And don't try to do this thing. You're both Christ followers because Jen and I, 
We did not have sex before we got married. I have a horrible sexual past before her, but together uh, we never had sex before. And I remember one time I was like, hey, let's do our Bible study together. I tried to get her up on my bed. She's like four feet on the floor. Actually, I think it was the other way around. She had the Bible. And I said, no, four feet, four feet on the floor. When you're having a movie and you want to cuddle up and it seems like, oh, this is four feet on the floor. When you don't do that, folks, this is what happens. Guys are sitting really close to their girlfriend and the girl takes her nice, smooth, shaved leg and it rubs up against that hairy forest leg of her boyfriend. And this is what happens. When smooth, Shaved leg gets to hairy leg. Clothes start flying off. (laughs) I'm just saying. So how many feet again? Four feet on the floor. Again, I know some of you are going to say, you are so extreme, you are so conservative, I can't believe... No, 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 no. If we want extreme results, folks, we've got to take extreme measures. Next thing, no sleepovers. No sleepovers. <laughs> folks, nine-year-olds have sleepovers. My nine-year-old daughter had a sleepover a couple of weeks ago where all of her soccer friends came over. That's fine. But eventually, you know, you're not nine anymore. You don't need sleepovers. And you just decide on the front side. And it doesn't matter where you've been. You can make these changes now. Hey, you know what? We're just not going to do that. We're just not going to have sleepovers. Now, let me ask you this question. Is it sin to have a sleepover? No. It's not a sin to have a sleepover. Is it wise to have a sleepover? No, it's not. It's not wise. Yeah, but Chris, you just don't understand. You're like old, dude. You're like 45. And you've been married. And like you just don't understand what's going on. Yeah, I do. I talk with people all the time who because of some sexual sin from their past. They're dealing with tons of pain because of it. In fact, folks, this is not like, you know, when I look at the teaching calendar, oh man, this is the Sunday I get to teach on sex. I can't hardly wait. I mean, don't we all? We'd rather be like talking about prayer and Bible study and the little baby Jesus and, you know, all the things that are nice and wonderful. Not this. Now, is this line extreme? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's common sense. And let me tell you why. Because five years from now, when you're at Walmart and you're taking your little cart around and you look down an aisle and someone starts walking towards you and you're like, oh, sleepover. (laughs) And you start going, you're like, oh, man. Don't do it. 
Next thing, avoid dangerous places. Avoid dangerous places. Now, folks, there are different places for different people, different dangerous places. For some of you, it's the clubs. It's very difficult for you to go to a club and dance and maybe you have one or two drinks and and all of a sudden it's a dangerous place for you. Or maybe it's a dangerous place that after, you know, work, everybody goes to the bar and everybody goes there and you're like, ah, that's just not me. Maybe for you it's a chat room. You get online and you start doing that. You just have to avoid it, whatever it is. Now, again, some of you are like, Chris, do you think that that seems kind of extreme, Chris? It, It seems extreme. Again, folks, if you want extreme results, you've got to have extreme measures. You'll see that in the NFL today. Those guys did extreme measures to get where they're at. So, whatever is dangerous for you, I would avoid doing it. Another thing. Monitor your internet. Monitor your internet activity. You know, when I was a child and a teenager, it was extremely difficult to find anything pornographic. It was just hard to find anything whatsoever. Now, once the kid has a phone, click. Or they go on computer They can see anything and everything, and all of you can as well. You can see anything and everything that you want. So, when I realized this, this is what I decided. Every Wednesday, I meet with another guy at the church at 7 o'clock in the morning, and he sits down, and he asks me about my Internet activity. He says, have you looked lustfully at anyone on the Internet? And then whatever I say, and many times I have to confess, whatever that is, then he says this, are you lying? Because <laughs> if you really want to know whether someone's telling the truth or not, let them say their whole spill and then go, did you lie about any of that? Then you'll get the truth. And so we share the last 10%. Now, some of you might say, well, Chris, you're a pastor and you're married, you don't struggle with any of this, do you? Well, to be honest, I don't struggle very little compared to what I did 10 years ago. 10 years ago, this was a battle for me. It really was. But now, I don't have that same battle that there isn't a temptation for me to go to porn, but I will say this, that there are times when I'm uh, looking at a sports page or I'm looking at an article on CNN or I'm looking at something on Facebook and then there's something else that pops up and there's that temptation to look or understand or kind of touch and then all of a sudden it takes you somewhere you're like, ah, why did I do that? But this is what I found. Since I have a line and I have some moral margin between me and that line and I have accountability with someone asking me a question every single Wednesday morning at 7 o'clock, I'm protected in many ways. And I don't go down a foolish path. Folks, some of you, I want you to know that you have a spiritual enemy that wants to hook you, wants to hook you, wants to take you out, wants you to have to wake up one day and say, I never thought it would happen to me. But then it did. Now, parents, parents, if you have kids, this is what I'm telling you right now. Monitor their phones. Monitor 
their computers. Now, your kids are going to be like this. You don't trust me. You just don't trust me. You're right. (laughs) But it's not really you, Junior, as much as it is, I don't trust the Internet on what you could get into in just a way that you weren't even trying to. You're a bad parent. You are a bad parent. Well, you're going to be a bad parent no matter what if you have teenagers. You're going to be a bad parent for a while. Just embrace it, you know. When you do this, folks, you're not a bad parent. You're a wise parent because you want to protect your kids. Again, folks, if your kid... Would you tell them, don't do that. Here's snakey. Here's snakey, snakey, snakey. Next thing. Avoid time alone with people of the opposite sex. Now, if you're married, I'm not saying that. You know, don't. If you're dating somebody, don't avoid them. Okay? This is what I'm talking about. And you know this scenario. You go to work or you're at school and you're studying with somebody or... You're just out hanging out, and all of a sudden you find yourself with a person of the opposite sex, just the two of you, by yourself in a closed place where there's no public around. It's just the two of you. And I get this, that sometimes in your workplaces, it lends itself to that. Sometimes you think to yourself, oh, man, let's get together tonight, and if we worked on this project together, we could get it done. So let's get together. 7 o'clock tonight at the office, just you and me. Or maybe you get sent overnight to go places. You get on a plane or you get in a car and you have to go with someone and you stay at the same hotel. Now, folks, is either one of those scenarios a sin? No. Is there anything wrong with doing that? No. But is it wise? No. It's not wise. So this is what we've done in Jar World. I have a, a covenant that I make all the staff sign, including myself, that none of us ever drive alone with another female. We just don't do it. Example, about a year ago, we had a trustees meeting. We had three male trustees and one female trustee. And for some reason, none of the males showed up that day. They all sent me texts saying, hey, you know, we're not going to be there. And it was just she and I. And I said, you know, it's not wise for us to be here uh, at the office by ourselves. I said, let's go to IHOP. She said, okay. And, folks, where our office was to where IHOP was, it was a minute to get there. And this is what I said. We're driving separately. And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. And so we both got in our cars. We drove one minute. We got out of the car. Hi, hi. Now, again, some of you are going to go, oh, you're taking that way too seriously, way too much. And I just think that should be operating procedure because I don't want to go down that dangerous path. Avoid intimate conversations. Avoid inappropriate conversations when people are saying things. Avoid driving alone or working alone, just the two of a person of the opposite sex. Last one, guard your eyes, mind, and heart with all that is within you. 
Guard your eyes, mind, and heart with all that is within you. What does that mean? Be careful, little eyes, what you read. Be careful, little eyes, what you read. Now, hey, 50 Shades of Grey. Boy, it's very historical. That's what this historical document, you know. Or you pick up a magazine and you're looking at it and all of a sudden you get some sexual arousal. Folks, if you're getting that arousal and it's not with the person that you're married to, then are you really glorifying God? Are you honoring God? You may say, well, it's not pornographic. I mean, this Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue that I had the last 25 years, I never look at the articles, but, you know, it's the art. That's what I'm just thinking about the art. Is the honor God? Or if you find yourself running out to the mailbox on a particular day and you open up Victoria's Secret and you're like, whoa, I'm going to get this for my wife. And that one too. These are all just fun. Just fun. Hey, I'm not a prude. I buy my wife negligee stuff and that kind of stuff. But this is what I've learned. She doesn't want me looking at Victoria's Secret figuring it out. She says this. Go to the store and go with me. We'll do it ourselves. Watch what you watch on television, movies, whatever it is. And this one thing, for some of you, if you could memorize, if you've never memorized another scripture in your life, if you memorize this one, this honestly could probably protect you from a lot of pain in your future. And every time I'm tempted in any area of my life, but especially in this area, this is the scripture I turn to. 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says this, I capture every thought and I make it obey Jesus Christ. I've been in the middle of a public space before where people were wearing things. I'm like, God, I capture every thought, I make it obey Jesus Christ. I capture every thought, I make it obey Jesus Christ. Now, again, I know that some of you are thinking, Chris, this is so extreme. This is so extreme. Flee! Don't flirt! Flee! Don't flirt! You know, I've never had a single person ever come to me and say, you know what, I created some moral margin in my life and it's just horrible. It's just the worst thing in the world. I mean, I just, I just hate it. But you know what? I've had a lot of people come up to me before and say, I never thought it'd happen to me. I just, I just never thought it would happen to me. You see, folks, I put these boundaries, these margins in my life because I don't want to live without them. I've had too good of a track record by having some margin because I know I could slip any time. I don't have to tell you the stories. You see them all the time of pastors who slip and they're like, oh, I thought that would never happen. Yeah, it did. 
And almost every single time, the reason it does is because they don't put moral margin in their life. I want my two little girls, who I love so much, to always know that they have a daddy who honors God with his body. And he never objectifies women. And he loves and he respects our mom. I would never, ever want them not to see that. In all truth, I want them to marry a guy, at least in this area of my life, that has honored their mom the way I have. I I don't want him to pick some bozo. I want him to pick someone like their dad. And I don't want my wife, I don't want my wife ever to go to bed at night thinking, oh, I'm not sure if he has integrity. I'm not sure if he's going to have character. I want her to go to bed every single night knowing He's honoring God. He's protecting me. He's loving and serving me like a bride. And most of all, folks, I want to honor God. I want to honor the God who sent his one and only son to die upon the cross for all of my mess, all of my sin, all my sexual past, all the things I've done in my past that was so ugly and horrible. And he said, I'm going to die in your place, Chris. I'm going to take your junk and I'm going to set you free, but I'm going to be weighted down by all of it so you can be free forever. Folks, it really is wise to take a step back and say, you know what? There's the line. There's that line. I'm going to put some margin between me and that line because at the end of the day I don't know about you I don't want to look like the rest of the world I really don't because normal isn't working and I want to look more like the one who loves me as is I'm going to invite you to stand for closing prayer I'm going to invite the uh, prayer team to come up And if you'd like prayer for anything, these folks would love to pray with you. We're going to give you a moment. We'll turn out the lights and just give you a moment to allow God to kind of speak to you as we pray and as we open ourselves up to him. So let's pray. God, today we've uh, heard a message that for some of us in this place, God, it's been a hard message to hear. 
I know that there is so much pain and hurt and guilt around this area for many people from their past and maybe even for some folks, even today, right in their present, what they did last night or what they did over this weekend. But God, I know you're a loving God who really does long for us to put some margin in our lives so that we can be healthy. And so Jesus, I pray right now through your powerful name that anyone who's dealing with some sexual sin in their life, God, would you go and would you minister to them right now? Let them know that you're not mad at them, you're not angry at them, you don't push them away. You say, come to me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. And maybe you're standing there right now and you're thinking to yourself, man, there is more than just a hint of sexual immorality in my life. There's just way too much for God to ever forgive me. But if you're thinking that, I want you to know you're wrong. If you're thinking, I've been way too bad for God, how could a loving God ever deal with some of that from my past? I want you to know that right now, that He is here and He's present and He's head over heels in love with you. He came just for you. Jesus came just so that you wouldn't have to carry that anymore. And maybe today some of you are there and you're like, I'm lost. I just feel so, so lost right now. My life's messed up. Everything's a mess. God loves to take messes and turn them into miracles. And today, if you're like, I need help, I need healing, I need forgiveness, I want you to make me new, you can do that right now. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now, and I would invite anyone who's never given their life to Jesus to say, you know what? This makes a lot of sense. I need this in my life. I need Him in my life. I need a new life in Him. And just to encourage everybody, I'd invite all of us to kind of pray this out loud together. Let's pray. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today to give you my whole life. I need your forgiveness. I need your presence. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Give me your power. I want to live for you, serve you, follow you with all of my life. My life and my body is no longer my own. God, I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Jesus, now you have mine. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand to everybody who prayed that for the first time. Welcome them into God's kingdom.
Hey, if you did pray that for the very first time, what I'd like you to do, there's a little card in your program. Just fill it out. You can drop it right up here or over here, and there's a Bible. Otherwise, have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. If you're on Teardown team, come up here to the front, and Jennifer Welch will kind of organize you. Have a great week. Know you're loved in this place.